What is the role of a physiotherapist within critical care? Well, that seems to be able to vary quite a bit, um, which you think it wouldn't vary too much. But I think what we found out is that um, what one physio might do in one part of the country can be quite different to a physio in a different part of the country. Or if you work at a large teaching hospital compared to a general hospital. And it doesn't necessarily work out that if you work at a big teaching hospital, you're doing more advanced things than smaller district general hospitals. Uh, I've had mixed experiences from, from working in a few places over the years. Yep, definitely. So there is big variation across different hospitals and it's very much guided by the culture of each critical care unit and their particular focus or or particular um, areas of interest. I'd say there is a a common thread of knowledge and skills that all physios working in critical care will possess, but it will vary, like Gareth says, as to how those are implemented, the different roles and responsibilities that people take on and the different ways in which we all work. What are those commonalities that all physiotherapists in critical care will be doing? You can probably group things into, into some of the key paradigms of our practice. Uh, if you were to take respiratory care as one paradigm, what people might know is chest physio. But when we're looking at respiratory physiotherapy within the ICU, your spectrum is ranging from the intubated patient and, and very early ventilatory management through to weaning and extubation from an endotracheal tube, decisions for tracheostomy, tracheostomy and ventilation weaning, as well as intensive airway clearance therapies. And then you, you can probably group things into a rehabilitation paradigm there that's around preventative management, early mobilization, and then planning more to, to quite specialist rehabilitation depending upon whether you work, uh, whether you have head injuries on your unit or spinal cord injury or complex trauma or very specialist elective surgical pathways. Even on a basic level, quite a varied role for a physio within critical care then. Yeah, it can be. So if I was to reflect what happens here at Sheffield, then as a trauma centre, so we'll have, we'll have all the trauma for the region, as well as having a neurointensive care unit at the other hospital site in the city, majority of head trauma will come here if they have other injuries. Spinal cord injuries will come to this site. We're a cardiac arrest centre for the region that offers PCIs, so we'll have, as well as then being a regional centre for five or six different surgical pathways, and as well as then all your pneumonias, sepsis, organ failure, quite diverse which is part, part of what makes the role so enjoyable and, and the specialism so attractive. Yeah, so we're, we're a very similar setup to that. So the, the tertiary centre to be the major trauma centre for South Wales and tertiary neurosciences centre. And that provides its own challenges as well because that's so variable in the number of patients and then specialist centre for a number of surgical pathways, much like you are, Gareth. And I completely agree that that variability will really affect the role of physios in in different places so a district general hospital will have a very different role to a um, tertiary hospital that's not to say that one needs more complex or more knowledgeable staff there it's just a different mix it's what you're trained to do Um, and as Gareth says we have got this kind of two paradigms of respiratory and rehab but I think it's important that we remember that physios are working in other roles so we've got physios leading up research in a lot of critical care units working in roles within management structures that otherwise would normally be by senior nurses or, or consultants is really is a mixed bag. But you mentioned that within critical care physios are perhaps taking on roles that other staff groups would traditionally have so what extra roles do, do physios take on then? So Again, it, you know, it's variable, but we've had increasing involvement in prediction for extubation, uh, advanced roles in planning weaning from mechanical ventilation. And then in a lot of places, physios have taken on more advanced roles within tracheostomy care, both around the 
decision and timing for insertion of tracheostomy and then taking a lead in, in the weaning process both within critical care and beyond. And then obviously we have got some physiotherapists working as um, ACCPs as well. So how does the role of a physio in critical care different from the ward-based physiotherapists? So that, that is also susceptible to geographical variance. So at Sheffields, we have a, a ring fence service, so I'm really fortunate to have uh, my own critical care team. We don't have to outreach to other areas and except for specialist support. So we can, we can be really focused on hyperacute rehabilitation uh, and we're working with fantastic intensivists. Whereas you then differ that to my early years experience. I worked at a smaller hospital in East Manchester and dealing with an eight-bedded unit, we had a, a physio-led NIV service. So a lot of our work would be starting um, and titrating NIV in A&E, taking the patient through to an acute medical assessment unit uh, or a respiratory ward or, or up to critical care. And there's a lot more reliance upon physiotherapists preventing critical care admissions because your bed capacity is lower. So you might be able to do nasal high flow on the wards more or, or you become much more integral alongside your critical care outreach colleagues Whereas here, in a bigger centre, we have such diversity of teams that are resourced for, for what specialism they serve. So the role can vary there between respiratory medicine or cystic fibrosis or, or cardiothoracics. The core skills are still the same. It's just that then the depth and breadth of your practice might vary or, or your scope. But then a, a, co- a common uh, constraint tends to be what you provide out of hours. Because that seems to be the lowest common denominator for our profession. Yeah, your emergency respiratory physiotherapy, that, that seems to be the great leveller. But a lot of the work outside of, of the ICU environment brings in a lot more chronic long-term condition management. What we tend to see is a lot of other physios will cover kind of multiple areas. So they may be covering multiple different surgical wards or, or medicine. You can be across the width of medicine. Whereas, you know, we are lucky that critical care does tend to have specific funding in places. Uh, and that allows you to develop your service a lot better. And you know that, you know, that's the only service you'll need to be worrying about. I'd probably say, you know, I've been in critical care for about 10 years now. And my experiences pre that, you know, in the ward setup, it was much more what you would imagine a physio role to be. You know, it was about mobilizing people. It was about respiratory care. And as, as Gareth says, trying to avoid critical care admissions. I think within critical care, that, that role gets a bit more blended with other roles and, and takes on more of a bit of a holistic management of the patient. And, it, and it's not just what you bring as a physio, but it's what you bring as the package, as the team to deliver to that patient. And I think that's why we do get that geographical variation, because it's just who is taking up that role in a relevant hospital. That it might be down the road that that role is taken up by a medic or by a nurse. It just happens in, in one hospital that a physio is taking the lead in, in whatever that might be. Which leads on to looking at the role of the critical care physiotherapist and how it's perhaps changed. In the time that I've been working within critical care has seen quite vast change certainly when I came into it, it was very much a respiratory care focus you were you were there to aid um, sputum clearance to um, improve lung volume from both the ventilated and, and not ventilated patients and I think that has hugely shifted certainly since 2009 2010 with the introduction of the nice guidelines for rehab that rehab has taken this complete new focus and that's kind of completely changed and I've got to say we've also seen another huge shift in the last three months with the COVID pandemic as well has almost completely thrown everything up in the air again, that we've had physios taking on new roles again, you know, people upskilling into different roles. And I think we're now at another transition point because of the pandemic. But it will certainly give us a chance to reflect on what we were doing before that we should continue to do. But also what new roles have we taken on that we should also try to continue to do? 
and equally what new roles have we taken on that we shouldn't continue? It's interesting to think about what's changed from within the profession as well as what's changed around the profession within ICU practice as a whole. To summarise, our autonomy has probably changed over time and evolved, particularly from being a referred to, requested thing, almost like prescribed chest physio, to to much more collaborative, multidisciplinary working has evolved and and that's fed into a better state of autonomy as to what we're able to offer. And also, as Paul mentioned, around rehabilitation and as how, how national guidance and the research literature has evolved in our practice and, and what we're able to offer across the patient journey with an ICU episode. And, and people don't think of this ICU, where we're looking after the patient at the sickest stage and then off you pop, that's when your recovery happens. It, it's now in you come, let's address recovery straight away. So that's really brought us in. But then also within the profession ourselves, I think we're probably growing into taking ourselves a bit more seriously, growing into roles within research, expanding the scope. So a good colleague of ours, Simon Hayward, pioneering lung ultrasound in this country for physiotherapists, as well as then the household names for physiotherapy and critical care research who are getting out there and publishing all the great work. Some of the things, though, that raise some questions are around our training pathways. And it kind of goes back to kind of our roles. Is If you, if you think about your medical training pathway and, and your FICM curriculum, you have training pathways where you have defined stems to follow and routes in. And we still have such variability as to how someone might reach a stage of critical care specialism. And they might have done this just their two years, foundation, rotations around all sorts of specialties. And you might be getting people who've gone away and done several years of critical care practice across diverse ICUs and we've not really nailed that yet. I'd quite like to go back to something that you said Paul um, about how the role has sort of acutely changed within the the COVID pandemic. What extra things have physios picked up and how is it changing the role at present? Yeah so I think what we've seen certainly in London and other places across the country is this mass redeployment of of AHP and, and physio staff across the services to manage the increase in demand on critical care beds. So we've had to bring in staff that wouldn't traditionally work in critical care and they've had to come in both to provide a service for what you would class as traditional critical care physio but they've also been brought in to work as um support for the nursing staff in kind of healthcare assistant roles to, to try and redevelop. And whilst we've brought them in, then what we've tended to see is the critical care physios themselves taking on additional roles as well, more driving into that kind of weaning decisions around extubation, taking more ownership of the patient, certainly within critical care. Certainly what we've seen locally is to manage the consultant rota there's been rapid turnover of our consultants so they've only been in for kind of two days then do a night and then they're off for a couple of days so you lose that continuity with the patient and I think that's where physios have been able to keep the day-to-day running to make sure they're moving forward with their trajectory. I think AHPs across the board it's not just physios but AHPs have really stepped up during this pandemic and have really shown what they're able to do that they can make rapid change to their service. We've had some hospitals moving to 24-hour seven-day-a-week services, you know, they've been in 12 hours overnight, both to support respiratory care, rehab, but also development of proning teams, turn teams, anything that's been needed to try and, you know, keep services running. You know, like I said, not all of that needs to go forward after this, this pandemic, but we've certainly gained a huge amount from it. And I think we, in, in many places, we've become a more integrated member of that multidisciplinary team because of it. Looking forwards, there's some more immediate futures and some longer-term futures. So wonder what do you think the perhaps more immediate future over the next maybe year or so will look like as we come out of the pandemic 
and things start to settle back down how do you think the role of the physio will will look at that point difficult to predict but i i do see this as a real kind of transition point uh where we look at our services before this covid pandemic we were, were trying to look at therapy practice across critical care anyway it's, you know, it's documented in the gpx guidelines as to what the role of the physio is within critical care but both myself and gareth felt that that needed more expansion and starting to talk about you know what should be the right workforce only in terms of numbers but in terms of you know your leadership what your service looks like all of those sorts of stuff almost since it started to calm down there's been this huge push that we redevelop that work very quickly with more desire to get it done you know there was interest before is you know that's the most thing people talk to me about now is you know how are we going to develop this workforce project how are we going to prove what we're going to take forward um, and certainly if we'd done it last year and then did it again this year it's going to look hugely different when we're talking about you know what role we bring what that is, I couldn't put my finger on. We're still going to have that geographical variation. Do you think the, the structural hierarchy of physiotherapy might, might change alongside it as well? Yeah, I, I fully expect so. Um, and like I said, this isn't about a numbers game. This isn't just having more physios in. It's about having the right leadership structure in there um, and having those leaders taking on roles both within physiotherapy and wider within the critical care setup. Um, as Gareth kind of already alluded to, we, we've got colleagues that are pushing the boundaries in terms of ultrasound practice we've got colleagues that are pushing the boundaries in terms of research and I think that's only going to expand we've got colleagues working in directorate management teams and I think that's the way we're going to go it's going to be much more of a focus on what the team structure looks like and what that brings what's the benefit of having a clinical specialist within your team what do they bring with you alongside just their advanced physio skills what extra is it that they bring and what does your service actually look like is it a traditional you know, nine to five service that it's always been with dropping down at the weekend to a, you know, maybe a slightly enhanced service or in some places just an emergency service. Do we learn from COVID and actually have a much better service at the weekend? And, you know, what does on call look like emergency duty overnight? As Gareth said, that's often by non-specialist staff. Is that the right thing to do? But, you know, there's not enough specialist staff to cover on call every single night of the week. Do you think that in order to provide the ideal services, there would have to be quite a big um, recruitment push in order to get the numbers to be able to provide it? I think it's beyond just numbers. It's, it's what Gareth alluded to as well. It's the entry points of how you develop your critical care physios. You know, the same with medics. You could open up 100 critical care beds tomorrow. You're not going to be able to staff them yeah. with specialist staff because it takes five, six, seven years to develop a critical care physio. And, and that's our challenge. Hopefully we've attracted a few more people to the specialty that, that we might have um, shown them what it's about and, and challenged some assumptions. Whereas people might have thought um, it's the same old chest physio that existed 20 years ago. There's already national directives to increase the HP workforce that, that will only be amplified. So if we can actually really sell the specialism and, uh, and develop as a result then the right training paths into it, uh, then hopefully that will be really positive. Some of the positives that, that people might have experienced around the country about how integrated they've become within their critical care team, where maybe they might have felt peripheralized, mm-hmm. that maybe that leads on to better things. They're more integrated into major incident planning, service reconfiguration. They're thought of when we open up bed capacity. It's not physios having to fight to be like, how are we going to cover that? Are we just going to stretch? It's actually someone already going, no, we, no we've, we've planned in a physio for these yeah. four or eight or ten beds. And we can actually play quite an integral role there, particularly if, if we're having to set up mini ICUs or HDUs or respiratory support units outside of critical care. We can play a much more prominent role than we have done in the past. And the last point is, is about advanced practice. So, so within the context of ICU, advanced clinical practice 
is very much people just instantly jump to advanced clinical practitioners that are trained through your FICM syllabus. Whereas the, the national frameworks for advanced clinical practice for, for AHPs uh, is becoming a lot more structured. So there are some questions to ask there about how can you, you train AHPs and, and put them into the paradigm of advanced clinical practice. They're not an ACCP, they're, they're an advanced physiotherapy practitioner or advanced speech therapy practitioner. But then how could they be mobilized for crisis or, or how could they start to take on greater autonomy within your ICU? I think Gareth raises a very good point there about the profile of physio and critical care through this pandemic. I mean, I don't think before this pandemic I'd ever seen a critical care physio on the TV, and I think I've seen 15 or, or 20 in the last kind of three months have suddenly appeared. Uh, and, you know, that suddenly comes of interest that people coming in the profession suddenly, suddenly see that. They start to see the role a little bit more. And it actually means people outside of the profession also start to realise some of the jobs that we do. Five years ago, or even last year, if I'd bumped into someone in the street and said, you're a critical care physio, they'd have gone, oh, oh that's nice. But now, you know, with the media coverage, they actually kind of have a, an insight as to what that role is. And that, that's a huge shift. What, what do the two of you feel that the common misconceptions, particularly about intensive care physiotherapy are? I think the easy one to tackle is, is chest physio and that chest physio can be prescribed. We're not really a thing that can be prescribed. If you were to refer to another a medical specialist colleague, you'd be asking for their opinion and, yeah. and then you'd collaborate and go from there. But that, that's really how we want to be treated. We still need good medical advocacy. We want to be challenged so that we can actually show really what we know. Um, it's just asking the critical questions in the right way so that you help us develop and deepen and strengthen our practice rather than sometimes things can feel easily silenced or marginalised. And the thing with, with rehabilitation, it seems to be that um, most people jump to rehabilitation being a physical thing and, and it's, it's much bigger than that. So... Again, to, to physio, somebody isn't a verb. Rehabilitation is a multi-dimensional construct. We are just one player in that. And rehabilitation is everyone's business. So it's just that your, your physios might be a prominent player, uh, but not the only one. I, only thinking in professional silos is pro- probably a misconception that he's challenging. So if we're truly an integrated multidisciplinary team that we're trying to aim for with clinical practice, we probably need to think that way around mentorship too. So physios can't only develop physios uh, and we need to develop uh, as a multi-professional team. Um, so I can't speak highly enough of my current clinical director who has reached out and, and offered one-to-one mentorship and, and we need that between different professions. I love out there concept of FOMED that's thrown yeah. around all the time. It's just, it's just the M, M needs to change from medical to multidisciplinary. Yeah. I also think there needs to be a slightly deeper understanding of some of the constraints across professions too. It's not, not just empowering each other. It's, it's recognizing that people will have very different constructs that have led to the way that which they practice. So, so my example here would be I, critical care is what I serve. That's my, my specialty. That's where I want to be practicing. That, that's the MDT that I, that I collaborate with and where the patients are. But I'm not owned by critical care. And so that in itself creates a lot of constraints because I'm, I'm owned by a therapy director who, who has to work a certain way, who is resourced very differently. Uh, how we have to prove business cases is very different. Mm. And so that's also the type of leadership and advocacy that, that we really need and some of the things we need other professional groups to understand and to invite us into the game. Yeah.